This time on Watchers of Tomorrow, Legendary Planets Suck. Hello everyone, welcome to Watchers of Tomorrow, the sci-fi review and critique show that wants to assimilate your children into our culture. My name is Gepwin, and I'm joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dr. Izix. Hi! This week is one of the weird ones. I I don't know, I remember this as a kid. I don't rem- have any strong feelings about it one way or the other. Well, I'd say that it has some interesting ideas, uh, and other things are like kind of just head-scratching, but, you know... That's Star Trek. (laughs) Yeah. So this is the episode named When the Bow Breaks, because it has to do with children, and that's the only joke anyone knows. Down will come baby, despite the springs beneath it, and there'll be tumbling and... What? Wait, I'm mixing my metaphors here. Yeah, we tumble and London Bridge and something or other. I hear that everything's falling down. Yeah, there's a lot of falling. Stuff used to fall down a lot, I suppose. Yeah, so as the world falls down... Wait, this isn't Labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode was written by Hannah Lewis Shear, uh, who started working for TV with the show Emergency! With an exclamation point. Hmm, that seems uh, pressing. She was also a producer for Knight Rider during its first season. Uh, she does five episodes of Next Gen. This skin of evil. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, looking forward yeah. to that. <laughs> uh, and the price. She's uh, executive story editor for the first season, and also wrote the DS9 episode Culus, which is not very good. It's not. It's one of the only. It's like the only DS9 Q episode. And they didn't understand Q. Yep. <laughs> Which I guess should maybe show you how much it strayed from what Star Trek was doing, because they can't even use Q right. So, uh, Hannah, uh, don't try to write Q episodes, please. We have a just metric ton of guest stars in this episode, so I'm only going to highlight a couple of people. Go for it. I don't want to be here reading names all day. I'll only uh, mention that Dan Mans- uh, Mason uh, was uh, in uh, Lost Starfighter. <laughs> so jerry harden plays radu the, the names in this are so weird uh he's, pro- he's probably best known for playing the informant deep throat in the x-files uh he also comes back to star trek as samuel clemens in times arrow mark twain he also plays that one alien that you don't remember from voyager hmm uh, which which one, which alien we don't remember? Yeah, you'll have to pull up a um, <laughs> picture probably because yeah, the name will mean nothing to you. <laughs> uh, Brenda Strong plays Rochella. Rochella. It's uh, I cannot pronounce it. It's like one. It's like two normal names squeezed together into a stupid name. Rochella. 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 Her first film appearance was as a nurse in Spaceballs, so that's ah. fun. She was also in Starship Troopers, so very sci-fi pedigree, this one. Indeed. Though it also showed up in uh, Seinfeld. Yeah, she was in character. Party of Five, and Seinfeld is referring characters, so she's been about. Hmm. Seventh Heaven! <laughs> and uh, finally, we have 
Paul Lampart as Melania, who has a smaller role uh, in uh, Spartacus. Also appeared in Devil's Do, which I kind of recognize. That's the one where the devil shows up, but it's not the real devil. Yeah. Because we've already met him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, there's just a ton of guest stars. There's child actors. We don't want to be here all day. The child actors, of course, mean that um, the cast and crew's children wind up in it. Uh, I think Will Wheaton's brother has an uncredited cameo as a background kid. Hmm. Just uh, a whole uh, you know, slew of them just hanging out. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Michael Westmore's daughter was in this. Mackenzie Westmore, who's the make- main makeup artist daughter who later goes on to host uh, the sci-fi original series reality show Face Off. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, if you haven't seen it, is an incredibly good reality show about about special effects makeup. Indeed, I, I'd recommend it. Uh, I've uh, seen the sort of spattering of episodes, and it's like, all right, we're going to do one where uh, we're going to have some big prosthetics, other ones where we're going to just make everyone look kind of crazy, and other ones like, yeah, and then we're going to make it look like their skin's been pulled up over their eyes. Like, what? <laughs> and it actually looks pretty good most of the time. <laughs> so since we don't want to be here with actors all day, that's everyone, as far as you're concerned. You can <laughs> you can look up IMDb yourself. I trust you. Yes. Like, who is this Michelle Marsh person? We're not going to talk about her. Sorry. She seems nice though. So, the story is stupid, but you know we got to get somewhere. <laughs> so Riker's called to the bridge uh, on the way. Wait, 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 wait. Yes, before before he gets there though, he has an encounter. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, on the way, he gets run into by a really annoying child who is uh, fleeing calculus. Which, I guess, is maybe a credit to the Federation's educational uh, program that kids that age are ready for calculus. At the same time, they might be pushing him a little hard. <laughs> well, you run into a bit of an issue. I've always been an advocate for... Children learn things fairly quickly. You probably don't need to spend as long teaching kids some stuff as you think you do. We could get to stuff a lot earlier than we tend to in our modern American school systems. True. Uh, I'll, I'll agree with that. Uh, you know, a certain amount of, okay, here's how multiplication works. But do we really have to do the flashcard thing for years mm-hmm. on end, guys? Well, the one thing is we teach math completely wrong and make it just rote memorization, which is pretty stupid. But yes. also, unless they've made a major shift in how they teach mathematics, math is iterative, which is one of the few subjects that we teach that is so completely iterative that it would be impossible for a kid to understand calculus before they'd gone through basic math, algebra, trigonometry, and like three other things to even be mm-hmm. able to do basic calculus. Yes. <laughs> Go from your uh, arithmetic through your, you know, uh, so, so limits to, uh, you know, it's like, okay, now we're going to integrate the log and then we can make some b- dirty jokes about that. Yeah, because, you know, calculus is actually extremely simple if you understand higher level algebra. But if you don't understand mm-hmm. algebra, you can't do any calculus. Yes. <laughs> so uh, if you got th- that basics, though, you know, you're good to go. So this is our first annoying child because this episode is the annoying child episode. <laughs> they just sort of collect them all up. So Riker finally gets to the bridge, and he's told they've been tracking an anomalous energy signature, 
uh, they thought would interest Riker because they are in the system of the legendary planet Aldea. Ooh. Aldea. Wow. Uh, it's cool we've never heard of this place before, though, right? Yeah. It's basically planet yes. Atlantis. So wait, it sunk? Yeah, it did sink. <laughs> they had enough technology that they could do basically anything. It was basically magic levels of technology, which given we're already dealing with magic levels of technology, must be pretty damn impressive. Yes. <laughs> we can already like, go transport people, FTL, you know, phasers, all that sort of craziness. And now these guys are like even more crazy on top of that. So, well, the right? thing they have is the technology sees to everyone's basic needs. There's no poverty, no scarcity. The planet could live in luxury and everyone could just explore art and whatever it's like isn't isn't that what you do directions are yeah <laughs> that's what earth is already about uh so why do you need these guys <laughs> so they can't find anything even though there's energy readings around uh until troy senses many many minds and then i guess they notice that someone found them and a planet just appears dun dun wait a moment if People with telepathic powers could, like, detect this planet. Why hasn't someone tried to do that before? I guess Just maybe they need to be of, close yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Wait, this planet still has a gravitational field. Why Why couldn't they just detect that? And uh, Never mind. Does it, does it have a gravitational field? <laughs> how do you know how this weird cloaking device they got works? Maybe it blocks gravity waves. Well, they kind of explain it later. Badly. Yeah. They can manipulate <laughs> gravity already. They've got gravitational deck plating that they can turn on and off. So. True. So they are contacted by a very young-looking woman named Rishella, a resident of Aldea. She tells them that they've been monitoring them, and they sent out this signal for them to follow intentionally because they have an offer for them and ask if they can meet. Gar goes, yeah, and they immediately beam her and an older guy onto the bridge. Hmm, well, that's pretty impressive. Uh, also a little rude. See? I feel like there needs to be some sort of established etiquette and beaming technology because they never really go over it. Yes. <laughs> also, maybe it would be a good idea to have something that prevents people from just beaming on and off the command center of the ship whenever they damn well please. Yeah, you'd think the uh, the shields would be able to help with that. and You know, maybe they'd, I don't know, have like a small field generator just around the bridge to prevent this sort of thing. Yeah. Some sort of blocker, scrambler, anything. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe an energy dampener. They seem to run into those a lot, but only the bad guys ever seem to have them. Mm. <laughs> so they bring them flowers, which I guess is nice. And oh, they invite thanks. them to the planet to discuss a proposal. And then they leave because apparently they have a sensitivity to bright lights. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's a weird uh, species quirk. Wait a moment. Are these folks from the mirror dimension? <laughs> that doesn't. That's not a thing. Until way later, and it's also a really stupid thing that I regret instantly. They should not have done that. It was a stupid, stupid thing. The mirror dimension is fun for like one-off jokes and episodes. It should not be an overarching plot line in anything. And yet it has been. Mm. So they soon ready an away team to uh, transport everyone down. As soon as they're like, we have an away team, Riker, Troy, and Crusher just disappear to the planet. Just doosh. Well, that wasn't the away team, but okay. <laughs> Soon after they leave, the ship gets scanned with super bright lights. Maybe this is why everyone's light sensitive, because every time they scan something, it's just an incredibly bright spotlight just right at your face. All right, we're going to take you in for the, your, your physical here. Oh, but just the bright lights. Come on. 
can we put this off another few years? Well, we have medical problems we'll talk about later, so no. <laughs> we see one focus on Wesley, who's not really that bothered by it, I guess. But there's reports of this happening all over the ship, but only to children. Hmm. That's a little creepy. A little bit. Yeah, leave the children alone. On the planet, um, Radu tells them about their ancient culture and laments how few of them remain to enjoy it. They have, like, a great culture. It's the best. It's our best culture, but it's dying out because we can't have enough children. They, in uh, fact, well, can't have children at all. Well, it sucks to be you guys. Uh, do you, have you compiled an archive that you're going to go send off and uh, you want us to uh, take it to the galaxy so that people will remember you forever? Yeah, you want to teach someone to play a flute? Yeah, that might be something. <laughs> uh, Rochelle was the last child to be born on the planet, and she looks to be, like, in her 20s or 30s. So hmm. so this is probably a bad sign for their long-term survivability. In fact, uh, you know, if she's in her 20s or 30s there, you know, the number of folks, even if they were to sort of uh, figure out what was wrong with them, you know, that uh, that would be of childbearing age might be a, a little on the small side. Yeah, it seems to be, like, one. Yeah. I guess there's that other couple, but they're kind of, you know, like their 40s or 50s, so, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so they want to do a trade. They offer their super advanced knowledge, technology, all this jazz. All they want is some kids. Well, um, can we go find an orphanage? We might be able to help with that, yeah. maybe? No, no, we don't talk about these things. <laughs> Crusher, as the resident mom, is outraged at the idea of selling children. Oh, that's a reasonable bit of outrage. Yeah, Troy explains that, you know, some species, we're not going to name it, but some, some species would be fine with selling their children. But humans have this weird psychological attachment to their young. It's, it's weird, so, but, you, you know. know. <laughs> uh, maybe I, what species would be okay with selling their children in this uh, universe here. <laughs> I'm trying to think, uh, like the Ferengi <laughs> wouldn't because they're like, if you have kids, you exploit them. You don't sell them. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff we learn later about the Gorn, I guess, but they just turned the Gorn into Xenomorphs. So. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe more in species. We don't know maybe anything about more in species. So sure. Yeah, I I think they're from like a highly radioactive planet too. So maybe they're like, yeah, we're kind of just different. So uh, here's have some kids. They might give you cancer. <laughs> so Radu is, is disappointed. He's like, oh, well, I thought we could trade and be reasonable, but bye. And he beams them away and then beams down all the kids anyhow. Well, uh, I thought we weren't going to do this trade now, or, or is this just a, a Grand Theft child? This is just a kidnapping now. Yeah. They also mm -hmm. bring down Wesley, who is the child we care about, so I so, guess we know. care now. Hmm. Every other you know, child is one we've never seen before, or since. You know, I, you know, Wesley being sort of magical and stuff is probably you know the in-universe reason why they picked him, but yeah, as stories construction, you know, if you actually want to teach a new generation fully in your culture you kind of want kids that are really young yeah it's weird to grab a kid that old yeah You're like we're going to indoctrinate you into our culture it's like, but i have my own culture thank you <laughs> so yeah i've already kind of got my thing going on and figured out and i have a you know, my own identity here as far as who i am in this greater world of our universe of ours here so why am i here <laughs> so the planet's shields go up 
they can't beam, they can't scan, they can't do anything but sit around and wait. Uh, Radio eventually does contact them and goes, I will offer compensation. And Picard goes, no, we want our kids back. And he goes, oh, well, I'm going to contact you again when you've calmed down and want to be reasonable. There's a good reason we aren't, quote, being reasonable here, because we have a reasonable concern about you just running off with our kids. So on the planet, they've taken six kids. They've got Wesley, several unimportant children, and a young red-headed girl named Alexandria. She's just a MacGuffin, essentially, but she's there. Yeah. Now, uh, we did also have the the one kid who was uh, studying calculus uh, on the planet, too. And, you know, and so he has a, a plot line here as well, but it's not super important. Yeah, he gets a story arc. So, uh, as as such, as as it is. <laughs> so Radio and Michelle tell them that they are guests and they can have anything they want. They go, can we go home? And they go, well, not, not that. Uh, how about a spaceship? Can we have a spaceship? <laughs> <laughs> the parents on the ship are pretty understandably upset about what's happening. Picard reassures them that they are not going to leave until they get their children back and they're going to do anything in their power to return them safely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Crusher's like, yeah, just, you know, chill out, and, and it's like, I'm trying not to be freaking out, too, but, you know, everyone else is being way more, like, upset by this, so it's like, this is a little awkward. He's also going to keep Purdue talking about compensation to just stall them while they get the kids back. The uh, children are given to their units, which is like a family, except it's assigned to you based on mutual interest, so it's like a family, but boring. Hmm. So this is like, I don't know, electives in, in middle school or something. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bunch of people who are forced to get along through relation, which can be good or bad, but is usually at least interesting. This is just, you two are sculptors. Go live together. Oh, okay then. <laughs> There's one person who's a musician who gets given a kid. The musician's the oldest one. Uh, there's another couple who sculpts... Um, Wesley gets to go hang out with a computer that runs the planet. Um, oh, well. He doesn't get a family. He gets a computer. <laughs> well, there's like the uh, the one lady who's kind of in charge of talking to the computer, but she doesn't actually know anything. So Yeah, yeah. she doesn't know anything. She's just in charge of talking to it. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't seem to be his guardian or mentor or anything. <laughs> it's like, what do I do? It's like, I don't know, figure it out. Ask the computer what to do. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> It's not our job to know things. Come on. <laughs> so on the ship, they've found that the planet's shields have minor fluctuations that they might be able to beam through if they get it right. Like there's a, there's a crack in their shields. And all they have to do is like figure out the fluctuations and things. But they need more time. So it's uh, we're going to tech up a solution. So that's just going to be a ticking clock in reverse. Like this will eventually get figured out and we'll be able to sort everything happily. Yeah. Eventually... Uh-oh. It'll be fine. Yeah, I, I wonder if we're going to have something like this uh, a lot in future Star Trek. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so Wesley's introduced to the Custodian, which is a giant computer that runs the entire planet. Absolutely everything. Uh, he asks a bunch of questions, and his teacher's like, I don't care. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> uh Okay, then. Uh, He's like, how does I... it work? What if it breaks? How do you make this? He's like, my God, kid, just just stop. Just, I'm old. I talk to the computer. It's my whole job. Just stop making me think about things. Yeah, so uh, apparently they don't do maintenance on this thing. 
Yeah. Does it does it self regenerate? Because uh, you know, even the most robust system will break down in given yeah, enough time. Yeah, he's like, how is it powered? How do you maintenance it? What do you do if it breaks? It's like I don't know. No one cares. It just works. <laughs> Maybe maybe they uh, have a helmet that they put on and it like makes them super smart on a temporary basis and then so they can go out into the universe and steal someone's brain. Yeah, that'd be an interesting plot. I think you could make an interesting episode out of that. You know, have a fun plot line that maybe isn't blatantly misogynist or um, poorly written or awkwardly directed. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Oh, no. We we've lost... Uh, 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 LaForge's brain, there we go. <laughs> so they finally contacts the ship again. Picard demands that they let him bring Crusher down to check on Wesley and everything. Make sure everything's fine before they continue negotiating. Mm -hmm. That's so, reasonable. On the planet, it was a bit dismissive of their concerns. It's like, the children are fine here. You can always have more kids. We can't. We have to get them to carry on our ways and our culture. All, all six of these kids. Like, you've got... A yeah, massive a, population bottleneck here. Yes. Uh, also, you're being very you know, dismissive of the concerns of the people you're, quote, negotiating with, which is not a very useful thing to have people chill out about you stealing their children, you know? Yeah. Well, their culture seems to be to be dicks. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's okay if they die out. <laughs> They agree to let Crusher see Wesley. I don't know why. They're just like, fine, if he'll shut you up. Um, she sneaks him a medical scanner that he uses on his teacher before they have to leave again. So they send Picard and Crusher back because, you know, they've got nothing to lose. They're in the ultimate position of power. The ship's just hanging out there being able to do nothing. Mm -hmm. But to show that they're serious, they hit the ship with some sort of energy projectile thingy that sends it three days away in a couple seconds. Holy smokes, we're traveling faster than Warp 9. This is craziness. Uh, I wonder if uh, we'll have an episode later about uh, someone trying to build a device like this. Yeah, it's a Krieger wave. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so the children wait for the ship to return. They learn art. One has a mind-controlled carving tool. He makes a dolphin or, or something. One has a mind-controlled music box. Um, it seems, I don't know, interesting. It's, it's interesting that they just have, we've perfected art so that you can control it with your mind. We've taken the craft side completely out of art. You don't have to learn physical skills at all. You have just you, have to think about it, and we have tools that do it. So in some ways, it's like, uh, you know, having a replicator for these things. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Michelle is also getting very attached to Alexandria, you know, that yeah, maternal way. Which seems to be against their culture. We want children, but we are very bad at taking care of children. Because it's forbidden! <laughs> Three days later, the Enterprise returns. Card tells her he's ready to negotiate, and they beam him down to the planet, finally. He orders Data to find a way around their shields, like, now. You've had three days to work on this, just do it. Yeah, alright. <laughs> also, Crusher's found that the Aldeans are suffering from some sort of chromosomal damage. And that's the reason they can't have kids. You know, there was mention that, you know, it was like, like a genetic disorder. And so I guess, uh, you know, wait, wait, is something actively damaging them? And meanwhile, Wesley's been organizing the children into passive resistance. They refuse to cooperate. They're on a hunger strike. They won't talk or, you know, move. They just sit there and refuse to eat. 
Which is very non-childlike uh, behavior overall. Uh, yeah, well, Wesley hasn't is ruling the group with an iron fist here. Yeah, well, I guess he's the closest they have to a familiar figure in their life now. So they're maybe latching onto him, but at the same time, it's sort of like he's just a teenager, and you know they're kids. When they it is kind of yeah interesting because <laughs> like one kid grabs a cookie and he's like no. We can't eat, remember? We're trying to do passive resistance. And the kid goes, oh, and puts the cookie back. It's just... Now, I think uh, I've heard a critique that an alternative way that they could have uh, gone about this is to have them actually just act like children. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> the Aldeans don't know how to do this. this. This is the passive resistance thing of hurt yourself until other people have to do something. Um, the other option is to become ungovernable. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess uh, Star Trek uh, being kind of, you know, yeah, rebellions are bad, okay? Uh, <laughs> it's going to be, uh, you know, let's go with the passive resistance option because we don't want people to be acting out because we're against that sort of thing yeah, for reasons. So Crusher's finished her analysis of the chromosomal damage and finds that it's caused by radiation and is perfectly treatable. Uh, Riker's found a way through the shields, even though it's a little bit risky, so... Card and Crusher are taken down to the planet in the same time Data and Riker beam down in secret. Hmm. Well, uh, I guess we're uh, now in a situation where we can quietly infiltrate their society and bring it down from the inside. Hooray! So, we're going to ask Picard to deal with the children. They're on strike. They won't do what they're told. Go make them do something. So, uh, are you going to kidnap Picard now? Yeah, Picard is (laughs) weirdly comfortable with the kids in this episode. Well, there was is a little bit of uh, you know moments here and there where he's like, ah, huh. but he's also very much a I'm in captain mode, and you know, yeah. taking care of the situation is going to override my fear of children. Yeah. So he goes to talk to the kids, and he comes back and goes, "All these kids want to go home. Also, my first and second officer are in position to scramble your custodian and shut down your whole planet." Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe don't be a dick now. Yeah, so we're going to take away your ability to live if you don't give us our kids back. We, we good? Yeah. <laughs> uh, hmm. They, they reach for their uh, you know, uh, arm devices to send them away at this point, and they're like, oh, no, they're not working. <laughs> so Crusher tries to convince them that the problem they're having is radiation poisoning and that the kids will eventually have the same thing happen to them if they stay. Uh, they refuse to believe it for a while, but Riker takes the computer out remotely, uh, neutralizes their power source, and beams them back. So, you know, it's fine. The kids want to say goodbye. No hard feelings, you know. It's fine. Thanks for showing me how to art. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if I can get one of these uh, sculptor pens at some point, I'll make more dolphins for you. Yeah. <laughs> they take her to see their power generator that no one's looked at or knows exists because, you know, it's one of these, everything works too well. Mm-hmm. situations uh it's huge it's letting off a great deal of radiation the federation will help you learn how to do that but the thing that creates the most radiation is activating their cloaking device so they can't use it anymore hmm. but also uh apparently with their shields down it's also increasing the radiation so i'm confused <laughs> yeah uh, back on the ship, Wesley brings Alexandria to the bridge to make Picard uncomfortable. She wants to say thank you and give him a flower. 
And that's it. The episode ends. Hooray! Picard now has a flower. Yep. Add it to his inventory. <laughs> so yeah, you, you steal kids and you take them away and then you turn it, realize that your problem was actually fixable all along and the Federation will help. It's fine. Yeah, uh, it, it, it was kind of foreshadowed in several ways uh, that you know they were, quote, looking at the problem and there was nothing they could do for sure, for certain. Um, but you know, with the interactions with the uh, one lady and Wesley with the custodian, who's and she's just like, I don't know, just as a custodian, everything it knows all the mm-hmm. right answers. Uh, it's it's pretty clear that no one on this planet in any field has any actual knowledge about stuff, you know, except the art that they make, I guess. Uh, and so you get this, you know, you know, definitely a situation with like, oh yeah, it kind of makes sense now at the end that they wouldn't have figured this out because if the custodian doesn't know what to look for, then it's not going to tell them what's causing them to be sick. I mean, they, they do, they do foreshadow some things. It's set up. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. So what did we think? I think that this episode tries a few things and fails utterly, mostly because it's trying to hang its entire plot on child actors. Yes. Uh, so I guess for me, you know, if you can kind of get around the child actor problem in, in total, it's okay. So how far does the episode go? But it's still sort of a, all right, this is kind of getting weird and awkward for a bit because we're having to have experienced actors hang out with someone who doesn't have any experience acting at all. So, Well, it also can't work out its themes. It, it switches themes from scene to scene. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> it, it starts with a... This kid doesn't like his dad. This kid is trying to rebel because he's had too much pressure put on him. And mm-hmm. then his whole story arc is, oh, well, I, I wound up in a place where people will let me do creative things that I want to do, which is fun and great, and I like that, but they're not my family. And then I have to go back to my family, and I go, can I do creative things? And he goes, okay, but you also still have to do math. Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason. And the, the parent doesn't learn anything. The kid doesn't learn anything. The kid goes, I would like to do sculpting. He's like, well, okay, but oh, only yeah, after sure. your math is done. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of one of those things where it's like, well, we just kind of got back to the status quo. And I guess we've had some experience from it. And we're no longer having these characters bicker. But other than that, they're just okay with the status quo instead of just being upset by it. Yeah. Also, the dad's kind of dick. <laughs> Then you have these people on the planet want to perpetuate their own culture as, as opposed to just dying out. Then they consider that, that, that continuing their culture is more important than continuing their bloodline. Mm-hmm. They, they don't care if they can have kids or not. They just want to be able to teach a new generation their values and whatever. Um, but we never actually hear their values or get a sense of their values or learn anything about these people, in fact. Because we should, as an audience, be able to go, the thing they are doing is wrong, but it's understandable because they want to pass on their cultural values and whatever, and they seem good or interesting or at least significantly different from our own, and we can see why losing them would be a significant problem. Indeed. So while we might disagree with their tactics, we could understand their motivations. But instead, we just get, okay, here's the technology used to do our super art of various sorts. 
And that's all our culture seems to be. Yeah, what? it's we, <laughs> we lounge around and do art, but not in a fun way, in a very dour way where we hate everything. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so what are we actually losing here? The, the, the depression, I guess? The technology's going to outlast you if, the, you know, if you don't do anything here. So that's not technically going away. So, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really... Then there's the other thing of the technology, which this is another technology bad episode, which they don't pop up as often in next gen as they did in original series. Oh. But, you know, these people rely so much on technology, they can't actually do anything for themselves, um, which isn't brought up as as much of a problem, except that it lets them be defeated easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their technology is literally killing them. Oh no, our intense ignorance about our technology, our only weakness. <laughs> Which is also kind of interesting that they have a lot of episodes like this of your technology is polluting your planet and making it so that it's, it's causing health benefits to you and your children. That's bad. What we're doing now isn't, isn't that somehow. <laughs> it's yeah. not meant to be a critique on like pollution or valuing technology over human lives or any of the stuff that would be an interesting thing to comment on when you're talking about technology and possibly the over-reliance on technology. It's that good old standby of if we rely too much on computers, we will be stupid. Dun, dun, dun. Which is pretty lame as far as the theme goes. Mm-hmm. It's that good old thing of... Uh, you shouldn't be allowed to use a calculator in math class because then you won't remember how to do multiplication. That's not how using a calculator do, uh, works with your brain. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess the more charitable sort of reading of this would be, you know, being ignorant of one's technology is bad, but they don't, you know, that's an important aspect of it, but it's framed in such a way that that's not really, you know, it, let's say if the custodian was volunteering a lot of information and trying to get people uh, to actually learn things around on them. But the, you know, like the admin lady there, you know, deals with the custodian is just so uninterested in hearing all of this uh, that there's sort of an active rejection of, you know, learning the things that they probably should know. Uh, but they still want to use the custodian for things. So it's like, yeah, we'll have a, a sort of a dynamic setup where, you know, the, uh, the locals are all about the, uh, you know, the you know, intentional, you know, setting aside of those things because they are not the art that we're trying to preserve and cherish forever because our society is, you know, falling apart. So such a point that all of us have to be artists full time uh, and they're just kind of overdoing it when, you know, they don't have to. See, that could be an interesting way to go on any of these, which I've never seen. Mm -hmm. So you could have technology that lets people they'll get to the point that they can enjoy leisure activities and other things. And a lot of them decide that they don't want to or need to know how the technology works. And they undervalue technology to the point that it starts to break down and threaten their way of life, which is an, mm -hmm. it would be a more interesting way to go because it shows the codependence. Yes. That you need to know how this stuff works in order to keep upkeep it. And it takes a certain amount of time and effort in order to maintain this standard of living. And we need to value that time and effort and appreciate it instead of 
well, once you get to a certain point of computers, everyone in the world just becomes dumb, and then eventually the the Morlocks will come and eat you. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I, you know, I'd love to see some uh, more fiction out there that sort of reflects some of the things I'm seeing currently in our, uh, yeah, well, I guess in some of the uh, subcultural sort of spaces I hang out with, where folks are like, all right, I have this experience from the technical side of my job. I'm going to now make use of that to do so, to basically create art, to do something creative. I'm going to uh, build an entire world in virtual reality that has all the uh, feelings and you know structures of an actual building because that's what you know uh, you know my friend is uh, you know does as a, as, a, as, a, as part of their day job and so you go to this their worlds and it's like yeah I feel like I'm at a real place and that's kind of amazing and so I'd like to see you know in more uh, sci-fi especially you know uh, some st uh, plot lines and stories that involve someone basically combining the technical side with the artistic side and, you know, finding a great value in that. But uh, that's not what we get here, alas. I think the interesting thing that you hit on there is you have no idea what these people actually do value. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to set it up as a juxtaposition between showing Federation, i.e. American values, family and freedom, um, <laughs> versus whatever these people value which does not seem to be family because they're willing to they're very dismissive of the idea that people would have an emotional detachment to their children mm -hmm. <laughs> and they assign people to these sort of families that aren't really families and the fact that um the fact that what's her face i'm not going to bother to look at her name again uh becomes so attached to alexandria is is bad she's trying to get take like i forgot to mention it in the thing but at one point they say well it's time to give alexandria to her you know to her family to her group and she goes no she's mine oh oh okay then um is this gonna be a he major tried plot to take point? her away no, from me i will yeah. kill you <laughs> but no it's not a major thought she just hangs around and then when she leaves later that there's not a fuss about it or anything well, all right. <laughs> it's a dropped plot point right there. Yeah, it is. And it's one of those weird ones because they don't give it enough time. But that's one of those who is your real family plot lines, right? A kid mm -hmm. who is taken away from their biological family at such a young age that the family they're raised by is more a family to than their biological family. But the biological family still feels a strong attachment to their child who was taken away from them involuntarily. So who should the child wind up with it's a very complicated emotionally fraught question they do it in this in three days and it doesn't matter yes <laughs> also apparently human children are so cute and adorable that they will immediately break down the cultural values of whatever culture they're in indeed uh also uh for uh, those unaware of the uh specifics of this episode have not seen it uh this is another planet of these might as well just be humans as far as their uh, look goes so you know yeah Said they dress stupid. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, we didn't reveal all the weird spots on our backs. Well, it's because you're wearing some ridiculous outfits. All right, <laughs> but overall, it's just that you have no sense of what these people value because it doesn't seem to be life or children or whatever. They they have a sort of thing of we value passing on our culture, 
But that in and, in and of itself cannot be a value because if you don't have any cultural values, what is it you're passing on? Indeed. A continuity of culture can be one of the values, but it cannot exist as the only value of a culture. Yeah. So, uh, so which I guess always kind of makes me, you know, chuckle when someone tries to argue that, you know, their specific culture, you know, must continue. And I'm like, so what do you actually believe? And they refuse to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess uh, consider it continued uh, because none of the above counts for everyone. Everyone practices your culture. Congrats. <laughs> and because they don't have any culture, you don't get that that juxtaposition that you have with the we're going to raise these children to have our culture, which means we have to erase their culture. We have a implicit sense of what their culture is because their culture is default American. Mm -hmm. But we have no idea what the other culture is, and it doesn't seem that far off. Yes. So we don't have a culture class of the children trying to assert the cultural norms that they were raised with versus the new cultural norms that they are supposed to adopt. Mm -hmm. um, it's good that they didn't do that because that's also a complicated thing that leads into a lot of really horrible things that were done to children in the name of indoctrinating them into a superior culture mm -hmm. um but it's good they didn't do that because now we don't have to talk about that in great detail which would require so much research well this episode did have me thinking about a couple things though uh that are i guess more specific to this dynamic at play here mm -hmm. so uh are you uh familiar with the uh the new life children's refugee cat case no, uh, I I I I'm pretty sure I brought it up before on the show, but it's been a while. Um, but uh, this is uh, uh, spawned from an incident that happened at the Haitian border with uh, the Dominican Republic, where uh, you know about thirty some children were uh, being uh, brought across the border, and uh, the folks kind of you know doing it were caught, and you know because they're just some yahoos here, effectively. Like, you know, you, you shouldn't be, like, kidnapping children and moving them between countries in order to take them off somewhere else for who knows what reason, you know, as far as their concerns on the border. Um, and uh, the that particular incident, though, was a, I guess, a symptom of a larger sort of dynamic that's happened in the United States over the last couple decades, where you have... Uh, part of the sort of evangelical uh, culture is this idea of saving people, uh, be it in the very direct we're missionaries and we're going to get people to convert to Christianity, specifically our type of it, uh, or alternatively saving people uh, that are children by adopting them. And if you're adopting them from a, you know, you know, a, another country that's been defiled by disaster or famine or poverty, then all the better for you for doing the right thing to save these poor, unfortunate souls who are going to be moving on to a better life and also Jesus. So, you know, all that sort of stuff there. And so the, you know, the case there was a case where, you know, what, sort of one of the side effects of this is that, you know, once you have a certain level of demand for uh, orphans, specifically from certain parts of the world, say right after an earthquake where there is, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, panic, you know, that, oh no, there's going to be lots of orphans. So people's like, 
I want to now adopt an orphan from this country. And if there isn't actually enough orphans to be adopted, uh, you know, right now, because, you know, that's only when you're thinking about it, somebody's going to step up and be all like, oh, I have some children here. Would you like to adopt them? And so you get this uh, sort of a dynamic where there's now sort of a market for children uh, from, uh, you know, Haiti, Ethiopia, you know, other parts of sub-Saharan Africa, where there's, you know, groups uh, that are, what shall we say, making a little bit of money by moving people from one place to another in order to allow people in the United States to, uh, you know, ad- adopt these children. Now, the one of the things, though, is that when they do this, they're not necessarily moving children who are actually orphans. It's like the uh, the New Life uh, Children uh, case there uh, is a situation where some of the uh, you know parents for the children were very much still alive after the earthquake, and they're like, oh, this is some sort of thing where they're going to be taken off and given an education, or they're sp- this is effectively sponsoring our family. So you know they're going off to school somewhere and they'll be back in a few years sort of things or, you know, you know, yes, sure. The parents died in this case, but the aunt and uncle or whoever is actually willing to take them in and take care of them. But then this, these uh, yahoos uh, swing in and like, we're going to take these children because they're technically orphans now. Uh, and so you get to, you know, a lot of this sort of dynamics where a lot of these children that are being moved by these uh, shady organizations and groups aren't actually orphans, but they're just being displaced intentionally in order to meet the demand. And so, you know, there's been a, a number of, uh, uh, I guess, attempts uh, since then, especially to try to, you know, I guess, verify, you know, that some of the uh, folks being, you know, adopted were actually, you know, without parents and actually done through a legit uh, uh, sort of a process here. Um, and, because a lot of the you know, places that they're, you know, these uh, groups are organizing and operating through, it's kind of shady how, you know, it, it's, it's so shady and haphazard that it's actually very difficult to try to track down, you know, if some of these children actually still have parents or not. Uh, and so it's sort of an ongoing tra- tragedy and all because it became a big fad that, oh, we need to start uh, you know, adopting children from these parts of the world in order to make them good Christians like us. Well, you run into a very big problem on that with a lot of cultural baggage mm-hmm. that one of the main values that you have among certain sets of Americans, especially a kind of, especially a sets of Christian Americans, are the idea that anyone who is not raising their children in a way that you deem appropriate and moral doesn't deserve to raise children yep. and then you should get to or you should be able to enforce certain things on them uh, that's one of the things that you're getting into now with arguments about schools uh, it's something that you've gotten into a lot with like you can look at the kinds of people who like child protective services decide to take children away from versus not uh, there's a lot of very overt entrenched racism in the way that we have policies around children, who gets children, who can adopt children, Mm -hmm. who should be able to raise children, which children we care about versus which children we don't, and which families we consider to have rights. 
And so, yeah, there's a lot of complicated awfulness there that, you know, it, it makes the entire system, well, super broken, honestly. Uh, not really sure how to sort of, you know, sum it all up other than, you know, as you just did there. Uh, and so you get this, uh, you know, as far as those who are interacting with the system on an intentional basis, uh, once, you know, you get sort of past the point where the, those who realize and have been educated, oh, this system is actually highly broken and it's it's abusive to you know, uh, children, uh, uh, it's sort of a matter of course, and as well as the families that they're sort of attached to, then those people stop interacting with it. And so those that are still interacting with it are, you know, especially on the, you know, we're trying to, you know, quote, save our, you know, some children out there tend to not care about the, uh, the messiness or full on endorse it. And that's just kind of awful. Yeah. There's a very high strain of the ends justify the means mm -hmm. in this kind of thing. Like, yes, someone's child was stolen from them, but also we gave them a better life and education than they would have gotten if they hadn't been, so it's fine. So, uh, they're basically being the Aldeans. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, if uh, our listeners are good people and, you know, not, you know, trying to, uh, you know, raise their perfect indoctrinated child, uh, you know, do be open to adoption in the, in the general sense. But if you do interact with the system, be very careful because there's a lot of nonsense in there that is designed to hurt people and destroy families. So be careful. Um, yeah. So that's depressing. Well, that's everything that I had. So if we're too depressed, we can. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess I could talk about, uh, you know, more historical, uh, adoption movements and how they also kind of were awful but yeah maybe it's time to move on well usually when we depress people too much we go into the stupid thing that is the galaxy's favorite game show Hey everybody, welcome to the Galaxy's Favorite Game Show. I hope you're all having a wonderful time, because our contestants have been racking up all sorts of po uh, points here. In fact, uh, their uh, points are now so legendary that they have to go and hide behind a planetary cloak forever. Ho <laughs> ho! Anyway, our first prize is the Gunshots My Computer prize, which goes to the Aldeans for using their custodian computer to poke Enterprise hard enough that they're now a few light years away, you know, just after a few seconds. What do they win, Gepwin? The Aldeans win some automated sales thingy that might peddle weapons and, like, let their computer destroy their culture with their super advanced weaponry. Oh wait, that's a different episode. <laughs> well, I'll take it. I'll I'll hand it off to them, and we'll uh, maybe the Enterprise will swing back here soon enough. Ho ho! <laughs> Our second prize is the appropriate reaction prize, which goes to all those parents, uh, besides kind of Crusher because she's kind of being holding back there, uh, who are very very upset about having their children run off with. What do they win, Gapwin? They get to sue. It's like I'm not completely. Uh, clear on this as far as you know modern American military stuff but I'm pretty sure you wouldn't like take a soldier's family 
put them on, like, say, a boat that they're serving on and go, well, you knew the risks when you signed up. Sorry that the boat sank. Yeah, it's like, okay, if the ship explodes and all your family die along with you, that's maybe one thing, but this is something a little different here. So, you know, maybe lighten up, Crusher. Anyway, our final prize for today is the terminally ill leadership, which goes to Radu for naturally making the awful decision to kidnap children instead of seeking help for their health conditions first. You know, a much more reasonable sort of option there. What does he win, Gepwin? They win elections, maybe some checks and balances. Seems like they, they don't really go into how the person in charge is chosen, but one would imagine the computer does it, mm-hmm. since it does everything. They also don't go into that. Did the computer tell them to steal children as the most logical solution? That would at least make a little more sense. Yes, uh, you know, computers being, you know, you know, built a certain way, you know, garbage in, garbage out sort of stuff would kind of make sense here. But we're not really given a good insight about who actually made the decision here. So I'm going to leave it on Radu because at the end of the day, he probably had to sign off on it. Yeah, so he gets an evil Bazir hat or something. He's cackling. He doesn't have enough of a cloak or evil <laughs> crown. You know, I shall steal your children. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Radu, uh, don't steal children. That's all I got, Gapwin. <laughs> all right, well, thank you for joining us and in trying to take a break from depressing things with what we like to call the Galaxy's Favorite Game Show. <laughs> Oh, uh, we got a, a little light uh, to look forward to. Yeah, next time we have little blinky lights. Yeah, just kind of uh, twinkles at you and uh, goes in and out a little bit and it's like, hi, I want to be your friend. Or not. Yeah, it has <laughs> some of the most iconic uh, lines that you get from this era of Star Trek. <laughs> oh, I'm so looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the next week is the episode called Home Soil, where the Enterprise encounters a group of terraformers, which is a weird thing they don't go into very well. Why are we doing this? We also Genesis deviced. We have this solved now. (laughs) Well, Genesis device might have some, I don't know, treaty obligations attached to it, given it scared the Klingons so much. Uh, Also, don't proto-matter shit, and you'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Home Soil, they find... A group of terraformers where something else is happening. <laughs> Surprise! The plot wasn't the one you expected! Yeah. Uh, it's the sort of thing they should have easily known was happening. And it's one of those ones where they... You know, con- I, I appreciate that they don't care about continuity in this era of Star Trek. It's one of the <laughs> things that I think modern Star Trek's really weirded out on. But the fact that everyone cares about it so much now does make some of these episodes a little weird. Like, we've never encountered this thing that five people have encountered before. <laughs> well, maybe they uh, intentionally misunderstand the Horta for some reason. Like, all their maybe, maybe the education system in the uh, Federation... Uh, only talks about calculus and doesn't teach uh, history yep, at all. No history, only calculus. <laughs> That's how they get to calculus by age 10. No no history, only math. Yes. <laughs> I can't read yet. Too bad. <laughs> you can read numbers. That's good enough. <laughs> all right. So next time we've got terraformers, weird desert planets, and blinky blinky lights. And all life is beautiful, Gepwin. Don't you agree? 
And then when it, when it blinks and it's crystals. Next time on Watchers of Tomorrow, don't terraform me, bro. You have been listening to Watchers of Tomorrow, a podcast on science fiction media. Find and follow Watchers of Tomorrow on Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Spreader, Digital Podcast, and perhaps many more to come. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure to subscribe for more. And where possible, make sure to rate your experience or leave us a review. You may find Gepwin on youtube.com slash Gepwin and Twitter at Gepwin. You may find me, Dr. Isix, on youtube.com slash Dr. Isix and Twitter at IsixLP. Music is Waveform and Maury's Principle, both by DRKRN. You can also check out the Watchers of Tomorrow Discord channel. Make sure to share the experience with your friends, family, enemies, and alien overlords. If you feel you are suffering from transporter syndrome, please be aware that the next time you step off the transporter, that you, that is now, no longer exists. <laughs>